All right. Good evening, everybody. It's Monday, April 4th, 2022, and I am excited tonight to be joined by a special guest. It's Carmen Studer, the host of Let Me Ask My Mom podcast, uh, life coach, you know, larger than life Twitter personality, and uh, <laughs> all around just someone who seems very interesting to me. So, Carmen, thank you for joining Jackman Radio tonight. Thank you. Are you going to do any Donald Trump for me? <laughs> Carmen, I was going to maybe wait till the end, but uh, I got to tell you, you talking about me, just it made me come out early, okay? I'm here early, <laughs> quite frankly, and I was just taking a hot tub with Putin, and we were talking about some things. I'm back-channeling with the Kremlin right now, okay? Because we know, Carmen, Brandon's not going to get it done. He's a corpse that shits his pants daily. He's not going to get it done, Okay. So we need Trump back in there to get it done. Oh I'm going to start out crying. <laughs> crying from laughter is, is uh, encouraged in clown world. We need that, you know. Um, yeah, so I was saying before we, we uh, went live, Carmen, obviously we have never met before. So this is really cool to meet you virtually um, like this over the Jackman Radio stream in the inter interwebs, the internet, as uh, George W. Bush would say. And um, I, you, you first came on my radar, and I think we both first came on each other's radar. Um, you had had Maria Farmer on your show, um, and then I had her on my show. And um, I think she mentioned Jackman Radio on your show, and someone tagged me in something. I'm like, oh, who's, whose show is Maria doing? And I, I, I saw your channel, and I was, like, really interested. So I just want to know a little bit about your background and how you got into podcasting and your YouTube channel and, like, who were your early influences that led you down that path? Yeah. It's so funny because I had no intention ever of being public ever, ever. Um, I was even previously, uh, I spent some time in production, film production, and people were always trying to get me in front of the camera. And I just was no, <laughs> not interested. I live like someone famous without having to deal with the baggage. <laughs> That's the way to do it. And so, um, it just was one of those things that um, we've gotten to a place in time where standing in your own power and authority makes you stand out. And um, I had gotten to where I had vibed so high that I just started meeting some of these incredible people on YouTube. And one of them was Michael Jaco. And Michael Jaco asked me to uh, come and join him on the show. After I told him, I was like, hey, I'd love to give a testimonial because I, I loved working with you. It was amazing. You know, let me know. I'll just put it on your website or whatever. He's like, why don't you just come on the show? Nice. So then the two of us started doing something weekly. And next thing you know, um, you know, he's helping boost my daughter and I's little channel, Let Me Ask My Mom. And, um, and then I had all these followers on my, my channel that I use. It was just my name. And people just kept following and following. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so I decided reluctantly to start the wilderness church because I always felt left out of the church world. I always felt like a misfit in the the church world. And I thought it'd be fun to have people come in and talk about, you know, their version of what God is. And it just kind of grew from there. And next thing you know, I'm working with all these girls and um, people have sex trafficking and satanic ritual abuse and um, helping people raise money and, and just different things like that. So kind of how I ended up with a YouTube channel. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I, I really, I, I love that and appreciate it about you. You're not afraid to go hard in the paint with those controversial topics that 
um, so-called normies or normal people who aren't initiated to this level of knowledge or understanding uh, think it only happens in movies and it's not it's not real. Um, they look at you with that you know twelve mile stare like what what are you talking about? And um, you know yeah. for, for me my my very early red pills um, my dad had David Ike's books on his nightstand when nice. I was a kid and you're always curious what your father's reading and um, you know I remember being a 10, 11, 12 year old kid picking up David Ike's book um, and the truth shall set you free. And reading through that, trying to make sense of some of it, and obviously as a 12-year-old, you don't know what that stuff's all about. But, you know, I kind of grew up in an environment, um, you know, with my dad and then my uncles who were all very, uh, you know, truth seekers and, and oriented in, in alternative media and alternative views about historical events that were always lied to about our whole lives. So whether it was the Kennedy assassination, 9-11, the wars, the war machine, um, the media. So as, at a young age, my brother Mike and I were were exposed to this other way of thinking and this empowerment to cut through bullshit and and kind of see things for how they really were. So I kind of get that sense. You've, you've had that in your background for a while. You know, it's funny. Um, I think I've always been a truth seeker and mine came about in a different way than yours did. I think you're quite lucky um, because as you're awakening to all this stuff, it is shocking. <laughs> but yes. so for me, my mom got cancer when I was 14 years old and I watched her beautiful blue veins turn into brown wires and she died. And I thought, how can that be good for you? How can that help? It just didn't intuitively make sense to me. And so I've been very suspicious of the healthcare industry. And for some reason, I never extrapolated it over into law and politics and education until then my kids were older. And then I got into the whole education piece. So I've just kind of slowly been introduced to each mountain as we come. And because of, uh, you know, stupid 19, um, <laughs> that just ripped the rest of it off, just ripped it off because my, my ex and I owned an environmental business. We cleaned up hazardous waste sites all over the world, really. And I knew that there was toxic particulates that we had to have respirators and decontamination stations and all this stuff. And I was like, hmm, this isn't making sense. If there's something smaller than a toxic particulate and we're just going to put a mask on and you know, we would be, you know, in huge trouble for health and safety in our business. And so that's what kicked off all the questions. And now, you know, of course, I know who David Icke is and all the all the players, because I'm a researcher and I study probably two to five hours a day. Right. You're just seeking out knowledge. And um, I, I get the impression, obviously, if yeah, you know about that stuff, it's not through like really a partisan lens. I mean, I I shed the partisan bullshit probably end of high school, early college. Uh, the, the last time I really bought into it or thought there was a difference between blue and red team was the 04 election. It was the first election I was old enough to participate and vote. And, um, you know, I'm originally from Massachusetts. I was born there and I lived in the first 10 years of my life there. So um, I remember John Kerry being my senator and hearing about him and, and, you know, thinking he was probably a decent guy. He's from the same part of the country I am. He's Irish, he's Catholic, all that stuff, kind of like the mold of a Kennedy, you know, okay. re really, really a Ken Kennedy wannabe. Um, but um, 
So <laughs> I thought, you know, I I absolutely hated the, the neocons and the Iraq war and everything that the Bush administration and Ch Dick Cheney stood for. So I believe that by supporting John Kerry and, and volunteering on his campaign here in New Hampshire, um, that it was going to make a difference and we could get him elected and change things. Yeah. And then lo and behold, he didn't win the election or the selection, as I call them. And um, you do a little research into it. And John Kerry and George W. Bush are cousins. They're both skull and bones. And they're just they're just both basically both uh, bagmen and henchmen for the New World Order or the global elite or the cartel, whatever you want to call them. So, um, you know, I, Babylon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Babylon, exactly. <laughs> we got to keep going back here. <laughs> Very true. And um, so that's kind of how my approach to politics uh, has been. And another massive red pill was learning about Ron Paul my first couple of years of college. And I had no idea what libertarianism was. I, I didn't know who this old kind of cantankerous squeaky congressman from uh, Texas. <laughs> I had no idea who he was. I just I saw all these signs start popping up here in New Hampshire ahead of the 08 primary. One of them says, Google Ron Paul or who is Ron Paul? So I was like, who the hell is Ron Paul? You know, I'm kind of inclined to maybe trust a guy who has two first names, you know? Right. So I, uh, I got into Ron Paul and became a very big supporter of his and um, worked on his uh, 2012 campaign here in New Hampshire and um, met a lot of really cool people who I'm still in touch with to this day. So when people ask where I am politically, I am kind of a mixed bag. I mean, I'm an, in, I'm an independent. I don't really like parties. And I, I tell people I'm an independent with a lot of libertarian inclinations. So how do you, where do you think of yourself in that uh, regard? I was, um, I would probably say, you know, cause I used to be very interested in the national council for policy and um, was more, you know, conservative leaning, but I always, Freedom is more at my core than love. <laughs> I mean, and I, I'm a big lover, but I just, freedom is so important. Freedom is love. It is. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, and so for me, um, same thing. As you, as the veil starts coming off more and more, you understand that these things are in like these pyramid type structures that one of the things that, one of the best deliverance people I have ever heard had said is God is omnipresent, but Satan is organized. And I absolutely love that statement because it's true. He, he might not be omnipresent, but he's put in place a very strategic, very organized um, system that we are all a part of this matrix. And until you learn to get out of it, and you absolutely can, but it does feel real until you until you do the work. And so now I would say independent, definitely more libertarian like you, um, definitely believe in guns, believe in freedom, believe in people making their own choices and also paying their own consequences. And that's one reason mm -hmm. I think a lot of people aren't that way. They wanna protect other people, which is very nice of them. Um, but I do, I do want to share something that I think is really important because it was a lesson that I learned during the primaries because I really didn't want Abbott back, um, was you know trying to talk to people about getting him out and trying to get some other options in there. One of the things I realized is, and this is my own confession first before I start accusing is, you know, you go to the primaries and you see all these names and you might know one or two and you don't know them that well. I would challenge people to know every single person on a ballot, literally know them, know 
something about them, have seen not only their ads, but some of the work they've done, advertisements or things that they have you know, participated in, charities they're involved with, especially for the more important ones. I just think that you can't walk in and not know people's names. It's just my personal opinion. I just thought I'd share that. I'm with you 110% on that. And I always hearken back to what my, my buddy, one of my favorites, Jesse Ventura says, follow the money, Carmen, follow the money. Who's yeah. paying them? Who's, whose payroll are they on? It's all like wrestling. And, uh, you know, Ventura always says they should be politicians should be made to wear NASCAR jackets with all their sponsors on them. And I couldn't, I couldn't, and, and that's exactly what you're talking about. Do some homework into these people. Yeah. Um, and they, and they have it that way. They want them to just be these kind of, not really standout names on a ballot and you're just going and you usually it's team sport. I'll check one for my team or not do any research or any homework. And then that's why every two years, every four years, every six years, they just keep getting away with the shit that they're getting away with because they're counting on the average American to be in the dark, uh, to be so beaten down after the 40 hour work week and then fulfilling other obligations, whether it's family uh, your job, uh, you know, everything else you can think of that we do in our lives. And, and I, I don't have children. I'm not married. So I do have outside of my, uh, you know, 40 hour a week grind day job. I have a lot of time to research this stuff and I have a lot of time to look into shit and, and read a lot and, and research. And I don't take for granted that a lot of my friends just, they don't, they don't have that time because they got children, they're married, they got in-laws, they got to go to PTA meetings all this stuff that I don't have to do. So, you know, part of the reason I do my show is my brother and I like to synthesize a lot of that information and material and try and put it into like an hour or an hour and a half digestible podcast, much like what you do. So, you know, I, I can appreciate that, that uh, you, I, I feel the same way people need to do more homework in, in our vote. I'd like to say our vote is precious. I, depending on the day of the week, I go back and forth on how I feel about voting. Like, uh, oh, it's important. We should do it to uh, the hell with it. I agree with Carlin. It's not worth. Uh, it's not worth anything. So, it's yeah. uh, it's it's just it's just about staying informed and and keeping up on on what the elite class are up to and what they do because they they just get away with stuff every day. And since Maria is not here, um, I will say they're not the elite class, the the pedo class. <laughs> yes, yeah, I do, I do, yeah, I like that. Yeah, they're they're the, um, they're the and trained me well. They're they're, they're the uh, pedophile mafia, you know. Yes. They're the pro pro war, pro surveillance, pro pedophile, you know, satanic, Luciferian monsters, reptiles, whatever you want to call them. You know, David Ike talks about rept reptiles and reptilians and, and that you know that will turn a lot of people off from david ike but if, if they haven't really read any of his stuff or listened to his talks and that's just what they're going off of they're going to kind of miss the point of what he's talking about absolutely and and just like you said if people don't have the time to research it they really don't earn the right in my opinion to even criticize because you it is a process it is an absolute process and the one of my guests jesse zabodar she's on mm. you know a couple times a month and she has been through hell literally and she's been sharing her story for probably two years now and she says she's just now getting to an audience that she's trained up and told enough information that she can now start divulging some of the real stuff right because if you come out with what she's coming out with now a year ago people would literally turn her off 
And so she has to, you know, not only did she have to go through all the crap she had to go through as a kid, she now has to go through training all of us to be able to even hear about what's going on out there on every level from military to CIA to police to CPS to, you know, churches, you know, the whole the whole nine yards. Right. Yeah. And, you know, growing up in the Northeast here, um, I grew up in the shadow of the Catholic Church in the Boston Archdiocese. And both my parents grew up in Catholic backgrounds. Um, they both went to, well, my dad had to go to a Catholic school for a while. I don't, my mom was in a Catholic orphanage in Boston for a year when she was a young girl. She lost both her parents by the time she was 10. Um, so, I grew up with a real distrust of that kind of institution and any institution that has that kind of power and sway over people's finance, over people's families, over how they think, Bravo. over everything like that. So I, hearkening back to my dad, um, he always, you know, he said, you guys can have religion if you want religion, you can do whatever you want, but I am not forcing you to go to a church, especially a Catholic church, knowing what I know about it. And he grew up in Dorchester, inner city, Boston, and friends of his and people he knew in the neighborhood were, you know, abused by priests. And it was just like an open secret. It was every, everyone knew, but everyone was, oh. exactly. Everyone knew, but every, people were afraid to be out about it and do anything about it. And they felt powerless. Um, so, you know, I always tip my hat to my dad for keeping, you know, not not shielding me, protecting me, doing what a father does and, and knowing in his heart and in his gut that um, I'm not leaving my children alone with these people, knowing what I knew and what I've grow grown up to see. And um, you said you lost your mother to cancer. Is that what you said? Yeah. Well, um, I was 14 when she was diagnosed, but 24 when she died. Yeah, so I, I I lost my father to brain cancer in 2017, and uh, it was a five month process from the diagnosis to his death. So it's uh, it sucks. No fun. Know. Not to mention that you know <laughs> there's probably been thousands of cures that have been uh, suppressed. In my opinion, I, I know people who have survived from starving it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't say that I, I believe they don't have certain cures or even better remedies and that they're just sitting on or they're not mm -hmm. letting out because watching what my dad went through with radiation and chemo and everything and how expensive all that is and how much of a fucking racket all of it is and, and what they put you through. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a moneymaker. I know it's sick to say that. And a lot of people have a tough time accepting that, but yeah. our healthcare industry in this country is another racket and we are just uh, inventory for that. We're, we're, we're just, we're just consumers of it. We're, we're just, they see dollar signs. They don't see a human being that we should help and take care of. Yeah. And to be honest, um, I have a lot of compassion for doctors because um, I understand that they are they're hazed and they are put through initiations and they are treated horribly in medical school and there's weird things that go on when you know they're the cadavers and and there's um you know inappropriate expectations you know like you have to work three days in a row well why can't everybody just work one day <laughs> you know same amount of coverage why are you keeping people exhausted and wearing them down and I, I really believe that it's because they want to have that control. So it's very much like school. I, you know, homeschool my children because I saw 
that there was a lot of stuff even back then, you know, my son's 29 and my daughter's 25. So we're talking, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but still it's shifted even into high gear now. Used to be, I would tell people, you know, I think it's a choice. You can supplement your kid with really good morals and all of the life skills that you need. Um, now, I wouldn't have a kid in a public school for anything. No way. Yeah, the, the system is rot. It's rotten. I mean, I know people personally who left the teaching profession, especially in the last couple of years with what I call the flu world order, uh, how horrible <laughs> it's gotten. But I can't I can't take credit for that. My uncle dropped that one on me very, very early on. There's a Chinese restaurant down in Mass that we like to go to. And this was like April after everything started with, with it, with Stupid 19. I'm going to take that too. I never heard that one either. I like. I got that, that from Hotel Jesus. I don't know if you know who that is. Oh, he, he's great. I'm familiar with him. Um, so I get to the restaurant and I hadn't seen my uncle since everything started. And he's one of my uncles who kind of got me into researching stuff and looking at the world a different way. And he just looks at me. Yeah, it is. He just looks at me and he goes, how about this fucking new, this flu world order? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I like that. I'm, 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 I'm taking that. It, all into one. that. it works for me. Yeah. He's, he's dead on. Y yeah. It, it is. That's why I really like, I don't know if you have ever seen, um, Texas Slim, um, he does the Beef Initiative, and I've had him on my channel a couple of times, and you should talk to him. He's been talked about on Joe Rogan's show. He's been talked about on Glenn Beck. He's been talked about um, on Adam Curry's show, and I absolutely love what he's doing. He's trying to bring the harvest table or that small town you know, awareness to, to food. He calls it food intelligence. And he's launching his very first um, convention, so to speak, down in Kerrville, April 23rd, if anybody wants to get involved. He's, he's talking to ranchers. He's shaking their hands. He's figuring out ways to get people like top grade meats. He's going to figure out how to do his own certification. He's literally building something new because all of the food is, um, all of the meat in particular is processed through maybe six different processors. And all of them are heavily invested in all this synthetic food that's coming out. And so it's, it's really frightening, but it, it doesn't need to be because we can, we can, we are empowered. And that's my thing is I think people just trust me. And I know that I'm, I'm looking for, you know, I just have a trust platform. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not getting shackles for anything. I'm just, I'm just being me and sharing what I know and what I've found is, is really good. And I think that people resonate with truth at, at a deep level, you know, they'll even be like, that's so way out there, but I don't know. I'm going to keep listening, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my, my brother always says the cream rises to the top. And if you are being truthful about things, uh, people will eventually arrive at what you're saying yes. and they'll, they'll understand it to be reality and, um, to know that you're, you actually are well-intentioned and pure about what you're doing. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not doing this to get rich. I mean, I, I would like to do it full time. I have a, I have a Patreon account. I just tell people, if you want to support me $5 a month, like the price of a cup of coffee, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to become a million. I mean, I'm not looking to become a millionaire. Um, but if I could do it full time, I would be able to, dedicate even more time to research, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of work going into having a show. People think you just willy nilly fire up a, you know, a camera and there's no prep. You just put the, put it on and you're good to go. There's hours and hours behind the scenes that you know about that you're doing when you're, when you're doing your own show. 
Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, I, that's why I don't have anything daily. <laughs> because, oh. you know, if I get on mine like twice a week, it's a big deal. But um, it, it is really fun, though. And I love I love the people. I love the ideas that you get from uh, the subscribers They're They really are a part of the team. It's just awesome. Right. People are so smart and they're so into it and you learn so much or they'll give you a lead on something that's just incredible and it just makes it more fun when everybody gets involved i was kind of disappointed because i was hoping your brother would be here too <laughs> yeah um, Alex jones and and donald trump <laughs> well, mike mike had to go on a special mission for lindsey graham i had oh. to go to the uh, go to the golf no he's, he does lindsey graham too i don't know if you've heard his impression that's that's uh -oh. one of his late, latest ones that, that's uh people are really enjoying no actually mike is um he's in a band he plays drums in a band here in new hampshire and they're doing a band photo shoot tonight nice. so um, cool. But yeah, we'll de we'll definitely want to get you on again. You can. Oh, it's it's fine. I just I was having fun with you guys, and I just I loved. I immediately loved you guys. One because you were so gracious to Maria, who absolutely deserves, you know, the most gracious environment that she can ever have. And and then two because you guys were funny. I, I was so enjoying the show because it wasn't just you know, getting the information. It was also like lighthearted and it's a very serious topic. And to be able to pull that off, sometimes it pisses people off, but you guys did. It was great. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And yeah, it's another reason why we do what we do. Um, we have to bring some um, humor into this world and, and some more light into it. We need to laugh more. And, and, and yes, what Maria talks about is the heart of darkness. But, um, you know, she has a great sense of humor yeah. and, and my brother and I, are, and you have this, this ability and this brilliance too. You're just able to talk to people. You can just talk to people and connect with them. And, and it doesn't just turn into like, oh, I'm reading a note card here. Uh, here's my third question. My fourth question. What was that like for you? How did you overcome that challenge? You're like, no, I, I want to throw in like, you know, I, I want to hear what it would sound like if Trump asked. So that was a disaster. That was a very low point in your life. So how did you rebound from that? Tell me about it. And I'll put it in my second edition release for 2024, Donald Trump, the art of the comeback. Okay. Because we're coming back, Carmen, bigger, better, and stronger than ever before. Believe me. Believe me. So what do you, what do you think about 24? Do you, where are you on Trump? Are you a Trump fan? I mean, what are your thoughts on him? Is he, is he real? Is he controlled? Is he a, a puppet? Where, where do you come down on uh, the Donald? Um, I think he's too inner circle to not be inner circle. I don't know if that's an answer, but I will say that, um, I, I was really disappointed at the end of the end of his term. And I thought the warp speed thing blew my mind. Like what? He became it, a Pfizer it, salesman. It didn't make any sense. And people were trying to excuse it and find every reason why he did it. And I just, I don't know. Um, I also, I also though think that it was exciting to see him be able to rally that many people. And to me, when you can get that many people together, there's definitely something beautiful that's there in the essence of it. There's an electricity for sure. Yeah. And I think it is a commonality and I think it is a love for the country. And I do think it's a love for your fellow man. And um, But I do think he's a wild card. I, I agree with Alex Jones. He calls him an idiot savant. Um, and I, I think he is brilliant. 
But like, so for instance, like when he used that thug word, I knew I have tons of black friends. I knew they wouldn't like it. I knew, you know, and not all of them didn't, but I'm just saying it was really interesting to me, that choice of word. But I also think he just is who he is. I think he's not right. ever going to placate. He's not ever going to not be something that he, he just is, you know? And so yeah. I admire that part of him that, you know, it's, it is what it is. He is who he is. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a good assessment um, and take on Trump. And he certainly has supporters and detractors who are all across the spectrum. You have people who have the Trump derangement syndrome who, you know, the old trope, the guy could cure cancer and do do amazing things and everyone, people would still hate him. They'd still find, <laughs> yeah. they'd still slag him for that. All the way to your blind MAGA almost cultists who believes that the guy could do nothing wrong and he can walk right. on water and he's a, he's a divine figure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have, I have more of a, a new, and because I'm known for my Donald Trump impression and I've been all over the country, uh, you know, dressed as Trump and impersonating him. That's and awesome. I love it. I love thank it. you. It, it, yeah. It's, it's opened a lot of doors in my life. So it, it's really, it's hard for me to, um, Bite, bite, so you know, bite the hand that feeds. Um, but you know, on, on a lot of levels, I like a lot about Trump. I, I like you said, I like that he's just he is what he is and who he is, and he really doesn't give it give a damn if that offends or right. is rude or impolite. Right. And he went into an arena with the most disgusting, corrupt, vile, uh, nasty, degenerate people like the Clintons, like the Bushes, uh, yeah. like the McCains, all these legacy establishment groups and mafias and families. Yeah. And he went in, he went in there and he just shit all over him in front of the whole country. <laughs> so I like that. I, when, when, when he, what yeah. he did to the Clintons and, and the fact that he stopped Hillary Clinton from being president. I mean, I will always appreciate that about right. Donald Trump and, and, like he always reminded people, look, she's been running for president her whole life. She's been trying to do this for 40 years. She's been planning it. Okay. I ran my first time and I won. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and he's, he's entertaining. He's, he's funny. I, I kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. He captivates. He's, he's hilarious and he is very captivating and he speaks in a way that is so digestible for everybody that, yeah. you know, they, they, they identify with it. And I went to six or seven of his rallies here in New Hampshire. I met him a couple times. Um, he saw me dressed as him and called me to the stage in front of 5,000 people. Which I was, saw that. I saw that. that well, was, I didn't see that video, but I saw your talking about it. It's very cool. Yeah, it was, that was amazing. So um, some really cool experiences up here with it, but yeah, to see a crowd of 10, 15,000 people um, just hanging on his every word it is, it is very interesting and it's electrifying and it's, it's a, unique study on human psychology and yeah. how crowds work. I just think also what a, what a difficult position it is, if it's legitimate, you know, right. who knows who really runs the world, but you know, there's so many people coming at you. There's so much um, controlled opposition. There's so much opposition. There's so much um, vitriol. There's so much joy. Like it's, it's, a pretty intense environment, you know, who do you trust? I would have a hard time figuring it out. I mean, even to Stannis, I'm, you know, I, I believe in the law of correspondence big time. I think that, you know, birds of a feather flock together. And I think you have to watch people's past and you have to watch who they hung out with and what, what they did. Um, doesn't mean people can't change cause I have, but you just have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a hard time with pretty much all 
politicians and people running for office because you know they are they are liars. Yeah, they're they're liars and they're cons. And I think the thing with Trump, he's just so shameless. There's just he 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 knows that he's a con artist. He knows that he's lying or he's bullshitting and making promises he couldn't possibly keep. But I don't know. People just want to go along with it. And and um, you know, one of my one of the high points for me of his presidency. Um, and that's why I have this this pin here. This this is uh, from North Korea. Wow. So I absolutely loved Donald Trump going to the DMZ and shaking Rocket Man's hand and actually engaging in diplomacy. People can say he didn't accomplish anything. There was no treaty signed, this and that. Look, no bombs were dropped. Right. Okay. We didn't destroy a country. We didn't engage in a regime change, overthrow Rocket Man, and then occupy his country and kill millions of people and lose thousands of American lives. That didn't happen. So. Trump, he, he did it in his style. You know, he sends out a tweet. Hey, look, I'm going to be in Japan. I'm going to be in the neighborhood, Rocket Man. Maybe we get together and maybe we could have a cheeseburger and take a walk to remember along the DMZ. We could do a walk to remember. And he, he went over there, Carmen, and him and Rocket Man, they really did take a, a walk to remember, you know? Yes, they did. And, and this pin right here is my best friend, Justin, has been to North Korea three times wow. because he believes in cultural exchange. He believes in peace. He believes in ignoring what our mainstream media and our governments tell us about other populations, that we need to hate them, consider them our enemies. Um, and I, I believe Trump believes this, too, about that with the Koreans, that if we just sit down and we're in face to face and we're talking, we're, we're not really enemies. Right. And, Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, Heineken even did a really cool, I think it was Heineken, I'm pretty sure it was. It was a while ago that I saw it, but it was this great deal where they had people working together and having a beer together. But then they afterwards told them their different like political views or uh, yeah. ideology or whatever. And they overcame it like it was. But had they presented it in reverse, that wouldn't happen. Uh, there would be no you wouldn't even open the beer. You would have been like, screw you. I'm not sitting down with you. It's great. Yeah. And that is brilliant. And, and that's, that's how I approach life. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really a religious guy. I don't really, I don't go to church or any of that. Um, but I, I think, you know, people who are religious and who aren't religious, we need to see past that. Like, just like you said about um, shedding that pretense and, and, and have conversations and realize that we have more in common uh, than, than we don't. Yes. And the the predator class, they really like to punctuate those superficial differences and then feed off them and then profit off them and e usurp even more power through fear and divide and conquer tactics. So, Absolutely. I mean, like I said, Satan's organized and he knows how to divide. And we fought for it over and over again. And that's what's so <laughs> once the gig is up, which I really like, I like being on this side of it. You know, it's it feels so good to be so free and to know it's not a war. It's a bunch of guys pretending there's a war. There might, you know, I don't know what they're doing, how they do it. But, you know, I watched that movie Wag the Dog and yes. I've never seen it before. And I was like, oh, my God. And not to mention that predictive programming is everywhere. We just have to see it. And if you look, everything in the world has been blue and yellow for, you know, 18 months. And then all of a sudden, everybody's <laughs> praying for Ukraine, right? Yeah. And it's like, how do people not see the programming? And I get kind of a little charge out of, wow, I like, I know the game. Like, I, I won mm. the game in a way. Yeah. 
And and what's right. so cool is is that's why, like I said earlier, I really like the Beep Initiative and how my daughter and I really want to start digging into just our community, just our little town, find out who the people are that farm, find out the people that ranch, find out the people that, you know, have water, find out the people that, you know, are providing whatever it is. And then start drilling into who's on who's on the PTAs, who's on the um, local stuff. What are the churches here? Are these legit churches, or do they have underground tunnels? Like, let's find out. Yeah, and and that's that's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. That like church and groups like that are fronts a lot of times for criminal enterprise, for trafficking, for drugs, for weapons, uh, just thuggery and criminality. So. That's uh, sometimes that's that's a that's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. It's the ultimate betrayal. Um, it was funny because I'm friends with Madison Marquette, who has accused many of the bigger ones. And she was posting that she was so frustrated with people accusing another one of our friends for, you know, connecting with a known Satanist And her whole point is, how else do we bring somebody into the light or the the goodness or or whatever it is that you know you believe unless you interact with these people <laughs> you can't just go you know you can't talk to a satanist you can't talk to a witch you can't talk so there's no conversions ever and nobody can ever come back from the dark side or whatever it is and I, I, I remember looking at it and she's like, I'm going to follow a Satanist too. Like she's just making her point. And I was like, she has a point. And then people started attacking me and saying, that's heresy. You know, they're, they're literally attacking me. And I'm just like, block, block, block. I keep it simple. <laughs> I really do. I don't, I don't fight with anybody. I, no. just, I just, you know what? They can learn from someone else. They're just not going to learn from me. But what was so interesting to me is think about that. Like, it's kind of like if you're dating and you're, you, you've got this really gorgeous guy and you like him and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I, I, I really like you. Like, yeah, let's go out or whatever. And he goes, well, I'm kind of in an open relationship, but I would like to go out with you too. Oh, he told the truth. He didn't waste my time. But then there's this other guy and he acts like he's all buttoned up and he doesn't have a girlfriend and really he does. And and he, you go out with him and he wastes your time and you find out later he's got a girlfriend. I think that the guy that lied is the bigger asshole. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, I, I might not agree with the guy that's in an open relationship, but at least I know what I'm dealing with. He's honest about who and what yeah. he is. Yes. And I think that what the other danger is, is that when somebody is working with somebody in a spiritual sense, that's where everything begins, because we we begin creating in the ethers and then we bring it down onto this earth. It doesn't matter if you believe in what ABC religion but th that is how the, the world operates. You think you have to create in your mind and then you bring it down. Anything that you look at, it, it existed before. And so for somebody to get into your head spiritually and begin programming you is very evil if they're doing it without a pure heart. Yeah. Well, if, yeah, they want to use you as a pawn for something, um, you know, like a MK Ultra or you yeah. know, to do criminality or, or their bidding. And I mean, we have that going on in a lot of ways uh, from our media and from Hollyweird and, uh, you know, the news. And they, they the 
<laughs> the, the, the brainwashing. I mean, like you said, I've won the game. I see the game. I feel that way so many times when I see a grown man wearing the jersey of like a 20-year-old athlete. Um, <laughs> like, dude, do you think – and he just paid, you know, $300 to a ticket to this game that's a child's game, and he spent $200 on cheap Bud Light and crappy food, and he's – he really believes in it and thinks that, that this is a, a real thing and that uh, it's important and it has value. And, it, and I, I step back and look, I enjoy sports like the next guy. It's entertainment. It's fun. But for a lot of people and they just, they're, they're conscious they're where they're at with their consciousness, they just can't step back and look at it that way and think about it, um, what they're doing. So I just, I don't know. I feel a lot of people are just like asleep at the wheel. For sure. Well, I just know. I don't know. Um, I look at even, you know, like the Travis Scott concert and, and when you start talking to the, the people out of satanic ritual abuse, you start realizing that that just isn't a concert. There's something going on underground at the same time. It's a ritual and they're taking that loose. They're pulling from that vibe. They're taking that power and using it. Same thing with sports. There's stuff going on underground while there's stuff going on above ground. And they're taking advantage of and using people's spirit. You know, it's a spirit, team spirit. It's team a thing. Spirit. Right. Be true to your school. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. With sports, there, there is so much criminality that goes on and underhandedness and shadiness and, and darkness. Um, around sports and the owners and what they do in their business dealings and the underhandedness um, and just, yeah, your average person, they just can't connect those two things, um, whether they want to call it Satanism or just, just evil, just the fact that, you know, evil does exist and it manifests itself um, in so many ways. So, you know, what I see happening with this drumbeat for war, uh, you know, to, with Russia, what's happening with Ukraine. It's just that that's being done by evil people. That's evil. You're basically at, when you strip away all the bullshit and all the rhetoric, yes. you want America and Russia to go to war with each other. You want us to hate Russia and you want us, you want Americans to go die in another foreign land, mask it in some virtuous, holy crusade. When yes. in reality, it's, it's just the same evil entities pushing for a war and humans are just thrown into the meat grinder and it's a for-profit evil enterprise. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> yes. Yes. And when you begin working with people um, like I do who help people who have been programmed get out, um, you start learning about this term called iniquity force. And iniquity force is the, that exact bloodshed that comes from war that gets credited to somebody who was the evil one that did it. So, for instance, Hitler would have an incredible iniquity force, right? So if you look at black magic, that's something they can use. It's blood magic. Yeah, and it, I mean, that's where, you know, some people are like going, oh, I'm out, you know, <laughs> like oh. David Icke thing, like, okay, this, these people have gone way too weird for me, you know? No, well, yeah, well, look, for your average person that just watches reality TV, watches sports, eats the shitty food, drinks the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the cheap beer. Yeah, yeah. You, you might sound crazy to them, but to people who have done a little bit of homework and done some research, yeah. um, you know, I just I just try I start with just t telling people about the Franklin cover up over in Nebraska that happened in the, the 80s, yes. with Franklin savings and loans. And I just try to make it bite size and tell them what that was all about and say that was actually that was a real 
uh, you know, case of the criminal predator class, the wealthy and the powerful, um, trafficking children all, all across the country and, and into D.C. and Embassy Row and to um, these, these parties where they would gather. And, and Lots, yeah. yeah, and people like they're like, no way. And then you just point them in a direction to a couple of books um, about Franklin and you tell them about Conspiracy of Silence, the documentary that this film crew made and the Discovery Channel was going to air it. And then they nixed it last minute because of what was in it, how explosive it was. Um, and, and that's like a place to start with it. And then if you can show someone that, that, that pulls the curtain back a little bit more and they're like, okay, so these are people who were involved in this, who were part of media, part of banking, who were part of local government, um, who were in schools, uh, Boys Town, the, the church out there and everything. So, okay. So now that, that gives someone some, that empowers a person to kind of start thinking more critically um, about people who are perceived as virtuous and powerful and these authority figures that we have to respect and adhere to what they say. So I think, you know, that, that's, a, that's a good place to start uh, with people, you know, so-called red pilling, you know? Totally agree. But what does it come down to is some people just can't handle it. It's, it's so much. It's so scary. But really, once you... Once you understand who you are and the chances of you being here on earth, <laughs> you know, just being born is a miracle, you know, and whether you believe in, in God or divine intelligence or, you know, consciousness or whatever, it, it's a force and it's real. And it's, it actually works for you the way gravity does. It's predictable. And so once you understand that, you have nothing to be afraid of, but people don't have faith in their world. And so until they have faith in the world that they live in and what they surround themselves with, they have a hard time hearing it because they don't know how to operate in that new expanded reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very well said. It is really scary. It is, it is really scary, especially if you don't have any kind of foundation um, again, hearkening back to when I was young, I, I had such an amazing foundation to handle this information and process it and deal. With. And I think it's what put my brother and I down a path of like doing impersonations and comedy and performing for people and that sort of stuff. Cause that's kind of how I deal with it. I mean, yeah. I, it's, you have to make, make light of it and, and process it somehow and, and try and put it out there in a way that, uh, people can digest it and not, it's not, don't fire hose it onto people. Yeah. And I, I really think also with the Epstein thing, that was a massive red pill for a lot of average people because oh. I've been, I've been talking about that shit for probably close to 10 years. And I would tell people, there's a guy, he has a jet. Bill Clinton's been on this jet. He has a private Island. He traffics children all over the country and all over the world. He brings children to this private Island with Bill Clinton. And it'd be like, you are so full of shit. What, what, what conspiracy theory bullshit are you reading? I'm like, I'm not reading conspiracy theory bullshit. I'm doing hours and hours of research and yeah. you know, people will disrespect your intelligence and they'll disrespect the effort. But I can't tell you, Carmen, how many private messages I got when that Epstein thing broke and it finally oh, yeah. broke through to critical mass. Whoa. And people were like, Eric, you know, I'm, I'm sorry the way I treated you years ago. I called you crazy. Um, I thought you were full of it, but uh, you were right about that Epstein stuff. And it's even worse than I understood. 
So yeah. it's it's nice when you hear that, you know. It is. It's such a good validator. And I'm always <laughs> getting on people on Twitter. Apologize to somebody because I'm sure there's somebody that you said this is bullshit and it's not. So you know, go go handle your business. <laughs> you don't want that karma back, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, if I'm wrong about something or I get something wrong, I'm going to come right out and admit it. I'm going to apologize. And um, if, if someone brings if someone brings me information that disproves it or uh, I'm corrected, I, I will stand corrected and I'll be totally open and honest about that. You have to, you have to be intellectually honest about things. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to be wrong. I mean, that's just, you know, you just misinterpreted based on the data that you had at the time. It's, right. it's nothing to, to be ashamed of, but it, it really is one of the things that I loved. I, I don't know. Do you ever watch Sean Atwood? Uh, I, I'm stuff on. <laughs> I'm Privileged. I had Sean Atwood on my once a month show that I do called the four horsemen with uh, yeah. Reed Coverdale and Ryan Dawson. Yes. And, uh, I love, I love Sean. that show by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, when I had Sean on, I did my impression for him. I went, Oh, Sean Atwood here at the top of the hour. We're going to be joined by Mr. Ryan Dawson. We're going to be talking about the Palestinian children in the Gaza. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, he got the, he got the biggest kick out of it. And, oh my uh, gosh. That's so good. Yeah. I, and, and, and you talk, you talked about manifesting Carmen and things starting in the ether. I am doing that with a trip to England right now. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it before I go to bed at night. I'm waking up. I'm looking at prices of plane tickets. I'm working on lo re locating my passport to get it renewed uh, because I want to get on a plane and I want to fly over to England and I want to have pints with Sean Atwood and David Icke. Awesome. I want to do that. I want to go with you. Yeah. But one of the things that, that he had on his show that I think he's had to take all of his down that had to do with Epstein but he had a pilot that was talking about why did Epstein have this type of plane that was totally out of date and all this stuff. And it was the only plane that had like this, this staircase thing that would go down in the middle of the flight or something where it could literally eject things, whether it be drugs, people, or whatever. And I was like, whoa, it's so fun to get different people together. That's that, what I call the body of Christ, but you know, just the unity and each person bringing their tidbits of information that are so powerful. Because if you're not a pilot and you don't know planes, you wouldn't understand that. Right, or have that knowledge. Yeah, I, I call that the cosmic debris. Um, yeah. when, when people can come together and certain vibrations link up and sync up, you know, the, the only one, yeah, you could be, there could be many explanations for it, but Atwood is awesome. Atwood does really great work and he's had my friend Ryan Dawson on. He's one of the few really big channels that has the balls to still have Ryan Dawson on. And, um, well, you know. I'll tell you, it's crazy. I really had never heard of him before you, um, I was watching the four horsemen and I loved him. He's so amazing and it's horrible what they're doing to him and how they've taken away his PayPal, everything. Like, how does somebody function? It's nuts. It's, it's been tough. Ryan, Ryan's a warrior. I mean, he's part Native American, so he's carrying that. He's carrying yes. that, that spirit, yes. that strength, yeah. that, that wisdom, that knowledge. Um, no, I mean, Ryan is probably one of the most, if not the most banned independent media creators like ever of all time. He's been, he's been kicked off everything and yeah, he's controversial. Yeah. He's, he can be rough around the edges, but, um, after doing my show with him for a year, I finally got to meet him in person in Washington DC last month with Reed. We, um, Ryan flew over from Japan, Reed flew in from Utah and I flew down from New Hampshire 
and uh, we convened together at the National Press Club for a great conference uh, related to Israel and Palestine that Roger Waters from Pink Floyd was at. That is so cool. And so where did you say Ryan was from? Uh, so originally he's from Hatteras Island in uh, North Carolina. Oh, okay. And um, But now he, he moved out of the States years ago and he lives in Japan with his wife and kids. How cool is that? Yeah. How cool yep. is that? So he's, I think that we have so much to learn from the Japanese. <laughs> the fact that they don't steal is just awesome. Like, it's incredible to me. My my nephews went and they stayed in those like tiny little capsule hotels where you yes. just like, open the drawer and you kind of <laughs> lay in there and it's got a TV and then you close the drawer. Well, there's no place for luggage, right? So they were saying, oh, where do we put our luggage? And they're like, oh, right here in the luggage room with everyone else's. And they're like, well, is that safe? And they're like, oh, yeah, no one will touch it, you know. Right. Can you imagine, and I'm that way, I, if something accidentally ends up in my basket that I can tell like it wasn't, you know, paid for or the kids walked out with something, I walk back, I return it, I do whatever. I literally could not live with it, even if it was mm. a $2 chopstick. There's no way. What would it be like if everyone in the U.S. was like that? Yeah. Magical. There are more of us who are like that. I think there are. I, I think majority of people are are good in that sense. But culturally, you're talking like maybe culturally here and just kind of societal parameter. Yeah. Um, yeah Ryan did say they really have their act together over there in Japan in many regards. And, um, you know, they're very respectful of their elderly population, which, yeah, you know, a, lo a lot of pockets in the U.S. are. But also you do see elderly being abused here in America and mistreated and forgotten and overlooked. But when I meet somebody and I find out that they're in their 80s or 90s, I have a historical mind. I think about historical events and I think about where they lived in the world during that time. I am just so excited to talk to that person, hear their story, hear their hear their thoughts on, on things today and connect it to the past, look for patterns that they might see. I just, I just think that there's so much uh, wisdom and, and knowledge and, and love we can get from the elderly in our country, in the world. Not to mention just love. Like, yeah, they just have been beaten up enough. <sighs> most of them. Some of them are crotchety, but most <laughs> of them are. You know, they just want to. They just want to do a puzzle with you or hang out or you know what I mean. They're just they're satisfied with boring, which I really would like to bring boring back. <laughs> well, no, normal. How about just? I mean, yeah. So for example, I have I have a living great aunt. She was born in 1928 up in Newfoundland, Canada, and she lives uh, up in Lewiston, Maine. And my brother and I went and visited her uh, last fall and spent a whole day with her, her roommate, who's a young, she's young, she's only 79, and then her other friend from church. And she's very deeply Catholic. She has pictures and paintings and effigies and crosses of Jesus all over her house. And um, she's just a real throwback. And she, when she saw my brother and I walk through that door and we spent five, six hours with her and had dinner, like, I just can't even tell you what that meant to oh, me. It's probably like having famous people come. She was probably so excited. <laughs> <laughs> she was. And, and to me, she's a living gateway to the past and to my family. Uh, she, she's my grandfather's younger sister. And, um, just the stories that she has and, and, you know, she, her memory is fading, you know, she's, she's 94, uh, just turned 94 last month. So, but, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate being able to 
talk to the elderly and spend time with them and, and we can learn a lot from them. So I do very much respect it about Japanese culture and, and a lot of pockets of American society who, who place a lot of emphasis on taking yeah. care of the elderly. I like how you defended our fellow man too. Good job. <laughs> You're like, we're not so bad. There's a lot of good ones. And it's true. There are, there, there's a lot of good ones. Um, they just need to get their courage up a little bit. Get, their yeah. up. get that. Get that I'm too afraid to face the reality um, level back. And yeah. We'll be strong again. We do, Carmen, we need strength and we need tough, okay? <laughs> I look over at Jeb Bush, I see weak, okay? I see low energy and I see weak. All right, America needs tough and we need strong and we need it quick, okay? We need, we need, it, we need it quick. <laughs> we do need it quick. <laughs> we need it quick, Carmen. And uh, got a couple comments here. Uh, Anita says, Addy Ads was there. Yes, I did meet Addy Ads in D.C., I love him. He is awesome. Um, wow. With the coverage he did of the Maxwell trial, uh, getting in the face of Maxwell's demon siblings. Unbel the, just the guts on that guy. He's doing what the mainstream media, what, what they're supposed to be doing. He's the, he's the real media. Oh, for sure. He's the real yeah. media. So, yeah, we and met him. another one that I didn't know about because until Maria Farmer. And really, that's how I found Sean Atwood was Maria Farmer. And so it's really cool how um, – certain people have brought us together you know it's it's a vibration that we're on we're we're on a wave absolutely. you know absolutely and, and it's amazing and i love it. it it has it's connected me with so many beautiful souls and and just people who are fearless who are and there's a real freedom in that fearlessness and not not being afraid of what people think about you or what there's they might complete freedom yeah what they might call you or might say behind your back it's like you know what? I actually feel bad for you. You you will never really do anything interesting in this life, and you'll just be jealous and full of piss and vinegar for your days. And that's that's too bad. I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I do. I do. I know exactly what you're saying. I have a question for you. I love asking people this. So, not how old are you, but how old do you, at a soul level, feel? Wow, that is a great question. Um, oh, probably. Probably at least three hundred years old. <laughs> I would. So that, would one. <laughs> that would. That would put us back. Uh, <laughs> like that's the oldest everyone's anyone's ever told me. Ah <laughs> uh, no. Um, so yeah, you just do you just mean in like um, just your spirit essence and how you feel about things and other people and and yeah, I mean I'm I'm I was born in eighty six. I'm thirty five, but really. I don't know. I feel, I feel connected to probably, probably mostly connected to like the Kennedy cold war days. Um, when, you know, him and his brother brought us off the brink of nuclear exchange with the Soviet union. So maybe I'm probably an 80 year old man. Okay. <laughs> anywhere, anywhere Carmen between 80 and 300. Yeah. Well, just so you know, I'm like 19. And so the maturity level is not quite there yet. <laughs> you know, that's about where I am. And that's oh, just, that's just oh you're, yeah, you're, that's you're asking people because I get all kinds of different answers and no one ever says their own age. Every time it's something different. And so really? I started asking that on my show. I always do it just at parties, you know? Yeah. Well, how, how old do you feel? You, you feel like you feel like I'm 19 years old. You feel like you're 19, so you have that wonderment, excitement. Uh, you're not jaded and cynical and beaten down, and, and well, we're we're not world weary. No, 
love to love to hang out with people. Love. You're world excited, Carmen. You're not world weary. You're world excited, and I am too. I'm I am the most world excited. Okay, there's so much world to explore out there. So many people to meet. So many things to do. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I like that's a good. Yeah. So how does that go over at parties? You're just kind of there, maybe sipping something. It. And they always have their reasons. You know, this is why I feel like one of the funniest ones ever was one of my young guys from jail. Because, um, you know, I had my charity where I helped guys out of jail and um, they were out of a youth prison. <laughs> one of them, when I was like, well, how old do you feel? And he's like, oh, my God, I'm at least 100. He's like, I've been through everything, you know. And he just listed off all the hell that he'd been through and how most people don't go through that much hell and then wow. <laughs> it was so funny and then at the end of it he's like well maybe i'm not a <laughs> hundred but it's so fun i just i just turned on the chat and i see people are like i'm holding strong at 39 i'm 17 yeah we'll look at we'll look at some of these yeah i think fire, it's so funny fire pixie good to see you says 17 my girl shannon lee uh she's holding strong at 39 She's my fellow uh, enthusiast of the band, the Mavericks, one of my favorite bands. Oh, nice. Uh, let's see. The, the Warren On is 300. <laughs> so you're there there with me at three, holding, holding strong at 300. That's um, awesome. That's funny. I, I love it. There's another question, but it's not coming to me. I haven't been to a party in a while, I guess. Um, what was the other one I used to ask people, and they loved it? But I just feel like... Um, it's funny because I was recently on my sister's boat and had I been even 10 years ago, I probably would have done a backflip off the front of the boat or whatever, but like inside I want to do it so bad. But then I'm like, Oh, if I get hurt, like this is not the same rehab it would have been 10 years ago. You know? Yeah. I, I do. I have a joke with my brother. I'll wake up some mornings and I'll just go, Oh, I'm 40. I'm 40. And then if it's a day after the gym with my trainer, Megan, I'll be like, Oh, Mike, I'm 50. I'm 50, which is 15 years away for me. And I said that to my friend at dinner the other night, my classmate I've known since fourth grade. And he's like, geez, man, when you put it that way, we are 15 years from 50. Yeah. But I think that's a blessing. I mean, every, every, I'm so happy for every day, every hour I get here on earth. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's not going to always be perfect and fun, but it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I just feel happy and lucky to be here in this body and be aware and, and awake and, and Me conscious. Too. And Me it's, too. It's, you're just it's, brave. You you're a brave man, and I'm I'm hoping that that we get more brave men. Well, thank you. Yeah, and just and women. Yeah. Yeah, brave, <laughs> brave people. Brave, <laughs> brave people. We need brave porcupines. We need brave goats. We need <laughs> brave bats. Not the bat at the Wuhan bat uh, mart. The wet the wet bar there in Wuhan. We don't want that. We don't want that. Oh my gosh! Did you stand up? Yeah, so I I, um, I did regular stand up for a while, but what really I had the most success with was Trump. So I've done stand up shows as Donald Trump, which is just oh, that's like brilliant. You can you can say anything. You can literally get away with anything. You can make fun of anybody. Um, yeah, that's so smart. Nobody's gonna be mad at you because you're, yeah. you're being him. Yeah, be ma be yeah. mad at Donald Trump. There's not really an actualized person beneath this character who's trying to say something and make you aware and educate you. No, that's not happening. That's awesome. <laughs> that's my daughter. Like, I think she's so brave because so she grew up acting. Um, but right before COVID, I would say maybe 18 months before COVID started, she's like, you know what? I'm just gonna start going to open mics and, and she started doing it and I loved it. It was so much fun to go. I kind of got addicted to just going to comedy 
clubs, you know? It, it, it was something that was just really fun to do with my friends and we would all yeah. have a great time. Even if the comedian was really bad, we would all <laughs> laugh about it later, you know, like, oh my yeah. God, that, that hit flat. Like, I felt so sorry for him, you know, whatever. But it's, I think if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. If, if you can get up on a hot mic in front of a room full of strangers and get real laughs. Anything's I mean, easier. You can do anything, really. Anything. It's uh yeah it's not, it's not an easy thing and I and even people who bomb I mean I've had nights where I've just slayed it's, it was just forty five minutes to an hour of gut howling from the gut laughing like tears and eyes to bomb just just like worst I mean I've I've had it all I've I've done great shows where I felt amazing and then I had done shows where I knew instantly you stink you stink tonight Eric it's not happening but but what it, what the difference is Carmen between a loser and a winner is if you dust yourself up and you get back up and you go back out there again okay and I'm going to come back in 24 like you wouldn't believe <laughs> I am I, I mean I I draw a lot of inspiration and strength from Donald Trump you know he he's like a late night stand up host he's like a takedown comedian I just I don't know he he keeps getting up there he just doesn't give a give a shit what happens to him and, and, and so many they, great qualities so many yeah, great qualities he, and he is he is brilliant let's face it I mean, Trump is Trump is not stupid this this whole thing where like people who attack him who say oh he's stupid and um you know he's stupid on some things he's stupid about some things but Trump's not an idiot right and, um, you know, if I can have any influence, if he runs again over the people he puts around him, because he's always like, I have the best people. I'm going to hire the best people. And then he hires that, that maniac, John Bolton. You know, it's like, dude, what the hell? So I want to, if he runs again, I want to try and try and have some influence about people who are around him to, you know, listen to this person or consider, uh, <laughs> consider what this person's saying. But I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just being a little too optimistic. Oh, do not stop, please. We need you. <laughs> we do. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it can be hard to be optimistic at a lot, especially. But I don't know. It, you, you you can't stop being optimistic. You have to you have to still be hopeful about things. Absolutely, I think that deep down inside, if you ask yourself if it's really true, whenever it's super evil, um, it really doesn't have the power that we think it does. We give it more power than it has. Um, a lot of times. And yeah. so if everyone would learn all of the conspiracies, <laughs> we would be fine. Yeah. The jig is up. It, the jig is up and we would realize they don't have any power over us. And you mentioned earlier, stand in your power. And uh, we try to do that here. Carmen, you certainly do it. So we're coming past an hour. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to tell everybody, Carmen, where to find you and how to support you. Um, you know, go for um, it. So yeah, on my website, it's carmenstuter.com. And and really, I, I don't have a Patreon or I'm, I'm not collecting any money. I, I do do coaching though. And I work with people from all walks of life. You know, I've got professional athletes. I even have a billionaire. Um, I have all kinds of different people. Um, I work with families. I work with kids, but with the parents. Um, and really it's more just working on people's spirits and lifting them vibrationally, lifting their spirit, teaching them to connect to their core. And that's my first love. That's what I love doing. Well, that's awesome. Well, that definitely comes through in your show and, um, you. I'm so glad to hear that. So yeah, folks, check Carmen out. Um, I've been wanting to have her on for a while and we finally <clears throat> locked down today and 
We'll definitely want to have you on again. And, and like I said, if Carlisle wants to come on in the future, we'll definitely, if we can, she sounds like a busy lady. She sounds busy. <laughs> we can, uh, yeah. do, you, do you guys live near each other or are you different? Yeah, you know, um, she moved back from LA when um, COVID happened. So she and I share a house. Oh, and nice. And, and you're in, you're in right the Dallas, now, Texas area? Pardon? You're in the Dallas, Texas area? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, because a Texas trip is definitely in my cards uh, soon as well. Because my best friend, who is a producer of my podcast, uh, he was here in New Hampshire. He just moved back to Texas with his wife and two children. Um, they're in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I forget exactly what town they're in, but um, yeah. I visited them in 2019 and we went to Dealey Plaza and did the whole thing. And I really like Texas, I like it down there a lot. So I love it. I love it. The people are so nice here. People were nice. Um, you know, I saw the biggest American flag I've ever seen in my life. Carmen. I was on my way to a Whataburger. I wanted to get Whataburger because I just went to Boot Barn and bought some beautiful boots. I'm going to get my Whataburger. And then I saw Old Glory. It was like a 10-story flag. It was unbelievable. My, my heart swelled with so much pride. But uh, yeah, I know a lot of people in Texas now. I know you. I got my friend Ricky. I got Alex Stein. He's in Dallas. I just reached out to him yesterday to see if he would come on. He said he would. We oh. haven't nailed anything down. And then I found out from one of my friends, she knows his dad. And I'm just like, it's such a small world. That's that's the cosmic debris. That's what ends up happening. You know, when you're on a certain wave or a certain vibration, yeah. we all come together and run into each other. So, yeah, I know a lot of people in Texas now. So if, if uh, we got Alex Jones down there, obviously, Carmen, will go down there. We'll get some barbecue. We'll talk about how Hillary Clinton is a demon. She's a liberal demon with sulfur coming out of her nose, folks. I got the documents on this, Infowars.com. <laughs> we got Carmen Studer at the top of the so hour. Good. At so good. She's joining us. What's that? I said, you need to come on my channel next. Oh, I yeah, I would love to. I, I'd be honored to come on. But uh, hey, I, I really appreciate your time today, Carmen. Thanks for, for talking to me and Thank coming you. on Jackman Radio. And everybody, I shared all of Carmen's links down there. So check her stuff out. She slays on Twitter. She tells the truth. She keeps it real. She's Thank Carmen. You. She's becoming one of my favorite people. So. <laughs> Well, folks, <laughs> thanks for tuning in to uh, another episode of Jackman Radio. And please, if you haven't, hit that subscribe button. Subscribe to Carmen's channel. Yes. Um, I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Jackman Radio. Just ask for five bucks a month if you want to support our channel. I also have Venmo. It's down there in the description. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with you again soon. Have a great rest of your day. Bye, everybody.